Life is like any other contact sport. You may encounter hardships of one sort or another. Wise people find happiness not in the absence of such hardships, but in their ability to understand them when they occur. Sydney Banks Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 28 of Emetophobia Help. I'm Anna Christie from Vancouver, Canada, recovered emetophobic licensed psychotherapist specializing in emetophobia, and your host for this podcast. I just want to begin by apologizing to all my listeners for not putting out a podcast last week and for this one going out late. I had a little accident, not in the car, that would have been uh, a little more a little less stupid on my part. I was, uh, I went away for a week to um, try to do some writing and finish my book. And I ended up, um, I took my dog, my German Shepherd, he's only 14 months old. So he's still a puppy in his brain, but he looks like a normal sized German Shepherd. I took him because my daughter and I were in a cabin alone out in the middle of nowhere. Um, and he's a protection dog, so we don't ever let him off leash, um, until he's going to be fully trained, but I do have a 25 foot leash. And so I play a little ball with him by throwing a ball, maybe 24 feet and holding onto the end of the leash and he goes and gets it and he brings it back. I accidentally threw the ball 26 feet with my 25 foot leash. I don't know exactly. Anyway, I threw it a foot too far and this dog has the strength to pull a house off of the foundation, okay? And he just bolted for that ball and took me flying with him. I was on kind of a gravelly road, but um, I did a face plant, smashed all my glasses. My face looked like I'd been in a boxing match and my knee and got a concussion. Anyway, that's my excuse. Uh, it's not really a reason and I do apologize. <laughs> so today, my guest is Nikki Davison, who is from England, uh, just south of London. Hi, Nikki. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Anna. So, ni so nice to meet you um, and have you agree to come on our podcast today. It's uh, really um, I'm really thankful for that. You've got a great story to tell. Um, so why don't we begin by having you just talk a little bit first about your emetophobia mm -hmm. and, you know, when it started and what it was like for you in childhood. Mm -hmm. Okay, no problem. So um, actually, for, for as long as I can remember, really, I, I remember having being scared of being sick like I, I didn't have a name we didn't have a word back then and right. um I think the I, I think the start of it I'm pretty sure so I grew up I, um single parent family only child it was just my mom and I and I never knew my dad so and my mom really struggled with parenting in the sense that um, she struggled with the emotional, kind of being emotionally supportive. Right. Was, um, so I was, 
very alone as an only child <laughs> and there were no aunts and uncles um my grandfather who I was very close to died when I was when I was seven now my mum used to suffer from debilitating migraines which would ha- repeatedly happen and what she would do is she would make herself sick because oh, goodness because she believed that it relieved the pressure and the, the the pain. So I would often come home from school and the curtains would be closed and the room would be dark and there would be a bowl. Um, and I just knew, knew. And I was scared. I was so scared because I... I felt even more alone. You know, my mum wasn't in a fit state to care for me. Who was going to care for me? Um, so I, I remember I remember that vividly. And I can think of so many times when that would happen and I would have to pick up the gauntlet and 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 take charge and care for myself and do things that I were kind of beyond my years really because my mum couldn't right um fortunately as a child I I don't really remember being ill that often but what I do remember which you know I'm nearly 50 now I I look back on this little girl with with real endearment and love and I used to, if ever I felt, if ever I felt sick, if ever I felt like that, I would sit up in bed all night because I understood gravity. <laughs> I, oh my goodness. I, I but understood, not, yeah. and but I not thought, centrifugal force, right? Yeah, you know, oh, I, so, so I just sad. thought, you know, if I stay up like this, yeah. then nothing's going to, like, come up. But, so, mm-hmm. you know, when I can think of nights that I sat up all night, never told my mom, never, like, I never told anybody. I didn't tell my mom because I just didn't tell my mom anything about worries or concerns or because they, I knew they would never really be held. So I just dealt mm-hmm. with stuff. Um. And so that kind of sort of bubbled away and then it really hit me when I had, I'm sure this is such a familiar story for people, really hit me hard when I had my first child. Oh, yeah. Um, so in pregnancy, the nausea, mm. um, just horrific. Oh, no. Um, and, and then not only was, not only did I feel I then had the fear of me being ill, Mm -hmm. there was the fear of my children being ill too. Right. And just like the fear that I used to have around that is, you know, it's so, um, it's crazy, really, because the amount of fear, I'm not a fearful person, but 
I've never been so scared in my life as I was at times when I thought that was going to happen. Right. I couldn't explain to my husband how scared I was. I wanted to run away. I wanted mm-hmm. to jump in the car and drive away and just have someone else be there and do that. I, right. I just, 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 just don't. I, I, I just can't. I can't. I can't do this. Hmm. Um. But you're saying you wanted to uh, jump in the car and run away, but you you didn't, obviously. No, I didn't because I. <laughs> Because like nine times out of 10, my husband was uh, like either away with work or working or, you know, there was no one else. So, you know, (laughs) Um, but I I, I never coped well, like whatever well means. I never, um, I was never calm. I was, I would just completely freak out. Mm-hmm. And there would be all the what ifing and future yeah. thinking and right. yeah 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 and 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 that was me and I don't think even then I didn't have a a name for it and I, you, you know I think there's a lot of shame that mm. goes with this phobia definitely. Absolutely. That's why no one seems to know about it. Yeah. There's so I never I never told friends. I never told anybody. I know, I know, I don't think I know up until this point now, I have never had a conversation with my mom. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, because you feel like no one will understand. You feel like, oh, it's it's just so stupid and you know and you berate yourself and you know I should be able to do this and you know everyone else can do this why can't Mm -hmm. I you know there's the comparisons and yeah yeah um there are there are phobias or people with other phobias feel that way as well people with spider phobias Mm. as opposed to the everyday spider fear (laughs) I call myself and all my children uh, spider fearers, but not phobics, you know. And so the phobic people, the other people go, oh, yeah, I'm afraid of spiders, too. Yeah, but you don't, you don't, you know, sit up all night long with the lights on in case there's one on the ceiling, like, um, or people afraid of dogs. I don't know. It's like people can understand well yeah okay dogs can bite you or maul you or but this one I don't know uh I think we get kind of like the spider people we usually get well well nobody I don't like it either you know or this is what people I think people say isn't it you know if you ever start to have a conversation with somebody because you feel like there's a channel to you know any times that I've ever kind of been brave enough to go oh I don't know you know I I, I really I really struggle with you know and then people just go oh yeah well no one likes it do they but it's right mm-hmm. you know and you just think oh there's there's no point so I would the lengths that I went to in order to future proof my life were that oh yes if ever um if ever I heard that there was a, a bug in school, I would keep mm-hmm. my children off school. Okay, yeah. I would make excuses as to why they couldn't go into school because, so like if one of my my children came home and said, oh, so-and-so was, you know, ill at school today. 
like the, the fear and the panic and like you know what that does to like the adrenaline and the rushing to the toilet right. you know the whole kind of shebang yeah um and then there was um not going out to eat anywhere right mm-hmm. not going not going out to eat anywhere then there was only eating things that I've cooked and mm-hmm. then there was the the safe foods and only right. safe mm-hmm. foods so no yeah. in, no meat actually um, right. double checking everything even you know if something went out of date on that day in the bin if something right. Didn't smell right and I cooked it in the bin yeah, uh, you know, yeah. Everyone else was going. Mom is absolutely fine. No, 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 no. Like mm-hmm. to the point where I lost so much weight. Oh dear! Well, your world just gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. Right. Mm-hmm. The more you avoid, it feels better to go somewhere where you're not anxious. So yeah. that's where you stay. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And it got to the point where my world was my house, my bedroom, and crackers and toast. Oh, yeah. That sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for me, it was milk, bananas, and digestive biscuits. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was the only, yeah. I mean, you can't live. Um, no. I mean, I, I, I soon came to realize I was going to die if I kept that up, you know, so yeah. yeah. So about how old were you when, when that was your world, like losing weight, not eating uh, about four years ago. Oh, that soon ago, uh, like uh, that recently. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Cause I was 15 or 16 and I was away at, um, I was away at school, so you know, my I didn't have a anyone looking out for me. I was able to uh, reduce my food to that because no one was no one was watching yeah. or, or looking after me. You know, I was a long way from home, but um, it's certainly a very typical story mm-hmm. um, for emetophobic people to restrict their food intake and lose weight and so on and the safe foods and throwing food out. I mean, all of our listeners are going to be nodding their heads in, in agreement um, and understanding of what you're saying. Yeah. So uh, how did you get out of it? Because I know you did. <laughs> so so, so, um, so I'm just trying to think, actually, how old? So 13 years ago, I gave up teaching. Mm-hmm. I, I had some like anxiety and depression after the children, like everything was all kind of wrapped up. You know, the more anxious you feel, the more nauseous you feel, like the more, you know, it was just the whole. I, I ended up um, having some counseling and it really, it really helped. It really helped. Mm-hmm. And I just was so grateful to this guy that I met and worked with for about a year and I just thought well this is just amazing and I want I want to I want to do this I want to quit my this I'm going to quit my job and if I'm really honest at the same time there was a and I'll be able to finally fix myself too 
Okay. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so I, you know, I, I did all the kind of the, 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 the two years of training, the 200 hours of client work, the 100 hours of personal therapy, you know, all of this and right. started working and nothing really changed. Like it was still there. And so yeah. then I phobia was still yeah. there. Yeah. And so then I thought, okay, I thought, well, I, 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 I just need to know more. I need to learn more. There are more strategies and techniques and things that I can learn that are going to help me. So then I, I, I think I had CBT. Yeah, I had, I had CBT. I tried homeopathy. I tried um, meditation, mindfulness. I saw a psychiatrist. I did all sorts of different training mm-hmm. in order to fix myself. And then four years ago, when I was at the worst that I'd probably been at, and actually, even though my mum at the time didn't really know, she she called me and said, if you don't start to eat soon, your organs are going to start shutting down. Do you know right. that? Yeah. And I kind yeah. of think, well, oh, don't be ridiculous. Of course they're not. But I... I just had to look at myself in the mirror and I could see that there was truth in what she was saying. So I was on my phone, I was scrolling through YouTube and this this man popped up, uh, um, you might know him, uh, um, a guy called Dr. Bill Pettit and he's a psychiatrist. And he was giving a speech about mental health, innate mental health. And... I don't remember anything except I remember hearing these words, never broken, nothing to fix. Mm. Mm -hmm. And I just burst into tears. Oh, okay. Because I just thought for all of my life, I thought I was broken. Right. This this guy, like he's really well respected and he's been doing this for years and years. And he's saying, I, he's saying, I was never broken and there was never anything to fix. I I just don't know. I heard something of truth in that. And so I started getting curious about that. And I started finding myself exploring the three principles. I don't know if you've heard of the the three principles. I may not have. So... um... So uh, definitely not not all of our listeners will have. So, <laughs> so, um, so the three principles were something that um, a, a guy called Sidney Banks had this kind of, I don't know, spiritual awakening, whatever you want to call it, aha moment. And mm-hmm. um, he was at a conference with a, with a psychologist and um, Sidney Banks was having a conversation and, uh, about oh, you know, I'm just really unhappy in my life and I'm so unsuccessful and blah, blah, blah. And the psychologist, without even really thinking, kind of turned around to him and said, you're not any of those things. You just think you are. Mm. Mm -hmm. And this kind of like was the catalyst for this unfolding of of the the idea of, of mind, thought and consciousness. Right. This was the understanding that I started to explore. Um, so the, the 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 kind of really really like simply the the idea is that you know 
we are thinking beings. We are beings that think. And um, there is a constant stream of thought that flows in and out of our heads, just like the ticker tape at the bottom of any kind of news show that you that you watch, you know, with all the mm-hmm. headlines. The crawl, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. with all the headlines. And and you don't get to control what comes on. And and um, and that's kind of a bit like you're thinking. And, you know, we have all of these conscious thoughts and we have unconscious thoughts, of thinking that we're aware of and thinking that we're not aware of. But we're not in control of that. And they kind of, you know, they all have the same power, if if that kind of made me like in effect they actually have zero power zero ability to 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 change what is innately true about us all and you know you'll have the oh i think i'm gonna have a cup of tea or you know um i'm wondering what i should have for i'm wondering what i should have for dinner and oh oh, oh my god i'm feeling a bit nauseous like the cup of tea and the what am I going to have for tea like they just they come in and they go and, and like we don't give them a second thought but there are certain thoughts that we kind of go oh, you know we we kind of really notice right. and we pay attention and we attach meaning to but actually they're, they're just they're all made of the same stuff and then there's the the concept of like consciousness it like like mood so so like imagine like an elevator of consciousness. So when we're in like we're in the elevator and we're in the basement and when we're in the basement it's dark and it's a bit grimy and you look out and you can't see anything. It just like you can't see solutions, you, you know, there are no answers. Everything just looks a bit grim. And we can we can kind of keep ourselves in that basement by wandering around thinking, oh, I, I just need to like, I just need to figure out how to, to move this elevator. And I, if only I understood like electronics and computers and like, it's not your job, like just leave it alone and the elevator will shift all by itself. And when the elevator shifts, like our mood shifts, everything looks different. Like we look out at the world and we see different. It's like three people can go to one movie and have three completely different experiences based on kind of their thinking that they're having and the level of consciousness, the mood we're in. The the movie's actually neutral. And it was Mm -hmm. kind of like that, starting to, to see out and see that everything, everything in life is neutral, really, everything. Like right. your boss, um, your childhood, my fear of of being ill, my, my you know the kids being ill, like it's it's neutral, and the only thing that that changes that is my thinking. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, looking at the concept of like mind, so this like we were all born with with mental health, mental well-being, like we're all born with it. It's there when we're born, when it's like our birthright and it never went anywhere. Any mental health diagnosis is just an indication of where you are, but never, never who you are. Like who we really are is, is just innately beautiful and wonderful and we have everything that we need. We have everything that we need to navigate everything in life like at our essence, at our pure essence. So it's kind of, it, it's like a, this spiritual thing, like, like 
the the intelligence that makes the tides go in and out that like you know changes the that makes the the sunrise and the sunset and the the leaves fall off the trees and that runs through us too and in any given moment we always have exactly what we need to deal with that situation starting to look at that and starting to not just like look at it on an intellectual level but really start to actually see it like at the felt sense of seeing I got so caught up in the story of me so caught up like it was front page news it was all that I it was all that I could see it was like just there and it mm-hmm. was then like somebody kind of took the newspaper away and I started to see that I'm, I'm none of those things. And yeah, I might get scared sometimes, but I'm okay. Yeah, I might lose my shit sometimes, but I'm okay. I don't need to think that I'm broken. I don't need to to get fixed. I just needed to see what was true for all of us. And what actually happened was I, I, you know, I got in the conversation. I kind of like I, I, I did courses and, and worked with some people and looking in the direction of anxiety and my emetophobia, constantly looking, 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 looking like, when is this going? When is this going? When am I going to be OK? But what actually happened was while all of that was going on, what I noticed, started to notice then was like other things in my life were changing. I noticed that I was more confident. I noticed I was going out. The relationship between myself and my mom completely changed. And as far as I was concerned, that wasn't ever fixable because it was too broken. And as Mm. I started to notice that, I just started to go look for my anxiety because it just wasn't there. And even when it did show up, it was just like it it didn't it didn't bother me like it bothered me. It, okay. I didn't have to make meaning of it. It was just um a psychological psychological innocence. It was just a misunderstanding, a mis a misuse of of the power of thought and consciousness. Okay. All right. Well that's just that's just me being human. You know? Mm-hmm. Life's a contact sport and we get knocks. That's just how it is. But we have everything that we need in order to navigate those knocks and and bounce back and and be okay because our default setting is well-being. Hmm. Yeah, that's a that's an important thing to say, isn't it? Yeah. Our our default setting is well-being. Yeah, I like that. Um, you, you had mentioned three principles a, a few minutes ago. What, what are the, what so, are these three principles so that you speak thought, of? Consciousness and mind. So thought as in the power of thought, consciousness as in the gift that brings all of our thinking to life. You know, everything looks real, um, through the power of consciousness and that changes depending on our mood and, and, you know, and that, and that shifts and changes all the time. And then mind, like, you know, 
pointing us to who we really are, who we are underneath all the stories and the beliefs that we've created over time, kind of bringing us back to our true nature. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, is it, was it this um, Bill Pettit who has come up with these three no, principles or these ancient, uh, East, they sound a bit Eastern yeah, kind of so, Buddhist so or like, something. You yeah. know, it's, it's a spiritual understanding, I guess. Okay. And yeah. uh, mm-hmm. um, so it's, it's just that I'm covered in the form that, excuse me, that Dr. Pettit shares and all the other kind of people, like, I don't know if you've heard of Michael Neal. Have you heard? No. No. Okay. Well, so. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, based on kind of like the Sydney Banks, this guy from Salt Spring in, in Canada. Oh, near me. Very oh, near okay. me. So, um, so yeah. And this was in the 60s. So, a fairly okay. recent kind of psychological, you know, I don't know, psychoeducational, psycho spiritual, whatever you want. It doesn't, mm-hmm. yeah. you know. So, so, so in the work that I do now, so having gone from gone from being person centered, so person centered was was mm-hmm. the modality that I trained in, and it's so oh, okay. It's yeah. so interesting that actually a there is a lot of person centered in the sharing of the principles in the the client has everything that they need. Right. Well, I didn't yeah. kind of see yeah. that at the time, but I think that was always somewhere in me, a belief that that was the case. Because like, if I look at the way that my life has gone, that, that's how it's gone. This, this really believing that we do have everything that we need. It's just that we don't think we do. So my work has gone from, kind of sharing that to what I share now what the what helped me you know I, I just mm-hmm. share what helped me what has not only helped me in my emetophobia and my anxiety but taken you know four years ago Anna I would never have agreed to do this oh really oh gosh you not yeah. I, I yeah. find myself doing stuff now mm-hmm. like and I'm, I'm just having no thinking about it and just being open to the possibility of everything in life whereas mm-hmm. I was so fearful of everything in life well Nikki I could talk to you for like another hour and a half <laughs> but I try to keep my podcast down to about half an hour and I'll probably edit a little bit of this out for the sake of um um just just tighten up but um you've been delightful Aww. it's been wonderful to meet you um and uh yeah if uh, if you have um co- i have your contact information yeah. if anyone hears you uh, hears us today and is inspired and lives in the uh, south of london area well, I, um, I, everything yeah. that I do is is zoom so I I kind of work oh, you zoom anyway, everywhere, yeah. everywhere. Yeah. yeah all right so, yeah okay so just um you know drop drop me an email uh, all of my contact information is available so Thanks, great Anna. thank you so much oh yeah. it's been an absolute joy thank you so much for inviting me okay thank you again to all of our listeners um, and again, I apologize for not getting 
these podcasts out, but I will be dropping a bonus episode on Wednesday. So uh, this one will probably come out over the weekend and then um, it'll come. (laughs) Oh, goodness. My brain is still not right from falling down with the dog. Anyway, we have had over 9,000 podcast downloads to date. So that's really great. I really appreciate all of you who have been subscribing, uh, downloading, listening, and also those of you who have bought me a coffee to help with the, um, to help with the podcast expenses. I will talk to you very soon.